Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. I'm Shirley. I'm Seymour. This is what it's like to be married for 69 long, long years. (laughs) Didn't need all that. (laughs) What does it take to stay together for such a long time? Today you'll hear stories and advice from Shirley and Seymour and two other couples who've been married for over 50 years, like Emery and Vivian Smith. Be yourself. Yeah. Respect and love and trust. Yeah. You've You've gotta have trust. You don't trust each other, then you you don't you don't have very much. And Angela and Grant Lovenbrook. You just really have to love each other all the time, even when you don't. There are gonna be lots of times when you won't like each other very much, but you do have to love each other. I'm Kyone Wolf. Love and marriage and longevity. That's next on Audacious, after the news. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Fill in the blank. Love is patient, kind. Love is work, hard to find. But if you want to put your finger on what makes up long-lasting love, you're going to need some wisdom to fill in those blanks. So today, meet three couples who've been together for over 50 years. We get started with college sweethearts Angela and Grant Levenbrook. I met them for the first time this week when they joined me via Zoom from their home in Rockport, Maine. I asked them to take me back to when they first met over 55 years ago. Well, we we met at the University of Buffalo. Grant had a job in the woman's dormitory. So this is how old we are. I went to college at a time when women had curfews. So Grant's job was to sit behind the desk and sign people in and out. And one of his other jobs was to, on the ground floor of the dormitory, there were these cubbies where you could take your guests. So he had to check the cubbies to make sure that you were, if you were in there with a guy, you were, had both feet on the floor. He had to have both feet on the floor. So that was his job. And, <laughs> and that's how I met him. And he was very cute and very funny and chatty. I played the piano for him. Do you remember what song it was? I played Misty. Of course you did. Of course. (laughs) I played. That's what I played. And then we didn't actually date until my sophomore year. I was walking down a sidewalk and I saw him and he was so cute. He had jeans on. I still can see him walking towards me, dark hair. And he got up to me and this is what he said to me. He said, a kiss would be a boon. And I kissed him. And then several I, don't, weeks, I don't know where I got all these things from. <laughs> and then several weeks later, I went to a fraternity party with a friend of his, but I came home with him. The okay. next day was Sunday, and he called me and he asked me if I wanted to go with him. He's from Rochester, New York. It's about an hour from Buffalo. And he asked me if I wanted to go have lunch with his parents. And so he came to pick me up. I still know what he had on that day. And when we were in the car, he called me sweetheart. And when he called me sweetheart, I thought to myself, I have never been this comfortable 
with a boy, a man, in my entire life. And two weeks later, I proposed. You did. Okay, back up. <laughs> when did you know you wanted to propose to her? Uh, when I saw the size of her checking account. <laughs> no, it's not true. <laughs> no, that's not true. That's my usual way of answering. I, I, did, I don't know. I, I had never said I love you to a single girl in my life. And I had dated many. I had not dated so many. She was she was a, a newbie. And quite frankly, in the early stages of our of our life together, I always felt like I was much more advanced. She was from, uh, you know, a uh, an old fashioned Italian family. Uh, she, as you can see, uh, had at that time pitch black hair and pitch black eyes and a lovely figure. And I, I thought I just uh, had uh, the best of the best. And so, you know, you go on from there and before you know it, you're down on your knees in the student union proposing. He didn't actually propose until we were juniors because I was a junior and he proposed in the student union and he got on his hands and knees and on his knees and he had a diamond, a teeny weeny itsy bitsy diamond. That's all I could afford. <laughs> and then we got married two months after I graduated I was not quite 21 when we got married. And I was 23. He was 23. What made you so sure? She had her foot on my backside. No. No, 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 no. You know, when you, you realize you've never said I love you to anyone, and you've never felt it, you don't want to pass up this opportunity. I never knew anybody like him. I came from Scranton, Pennsylvania, from a very close Italian family, and he, he wrote poetry, he was a historian, he played music, he was an artist, he was cute, he was a good kisser. <laughs> I liked him a lot. And I, I loved her lots. And what I found out early in my life with her was that it seemed like I was the most dominant and uh, strong and experienced of the two. And the more time went on, I realized I wasn't. <laughs> she was the uh, the smart cookie, and uh, <clears throat> she was just so special and powerful, kind of woman that uh, starts things, doesn't follow things. She was uh, giving testimony before the United States Senate Committee on Aging with Ralph Nader as a young woman. And you shouldn't think, though, that, I mean, we've been married 55 years and people ask, you know, how we do that. And I always say, we've had about eight different marriages. You know, you kind of have the <laughs> marriage you have when you were, when we were 21. And that went on for about five or six years. And, and then things change. You change, he changes, we change. And so we sort of renegotiated this marriage lots of times during the she, she She told us at the, at the 50th wedding anniversary celebration that uh, she renegotiated every seven years. Are we talking about like a formal, like we, we, we write something up and we have it notarized? No, 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 no. Tell no, me no, about no, this. Was... Well, it's just that things change. You know, seven, first seven years, seven or eight years, we were students. And we so we traveled a lot those first years. And I had never traveled. He had traveled more than me. He's still my favorite travel partner. I still really, I, I, and I can remember the feeling of getting in the car with him 
to go on a trip like the first time we came to Maine was 50 some years ago and, <laughs> and the excitement of that. But, you know, you shouldn't think that we had 55 years of bliss because we didn't. I mean, there were lots of times uh, where I would have left him or he would have left me. And I think we think we were lucky because when he wanted to, I said, no way, Jose. We're, and the other way, he would do the same thing, you know, no way. I, I one time crawled out of a out of a, an attic a window uh, to try and catch her at uh, fooling around on me. <laughs> we had some interesting times during this marriage, but it endured. I, th- I used to tell him he, it endured because he liked my mother a lot. He loved my mother. <laughs> he liked my family a lot. And he loved my family and our family. I, I didn't know what the hell an Italian family was like. <laughs> Very close. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Physically and loud and in your face and... Show up at the house at uh, 11 o'clock at night to a full a full dinner of uh, pasta, homemade. You must see younger people dating now on their cell phones. They've got apps. There's websites to match people up. People are marrying later in life. They're having fewer kids. Divorce is not nearly as taboo as it once was. What do you think about how people are finding each other now? I'm glad. I don't think I would like that so much. I mean, it was chance, you know, I'm Scranton, Pennsylvania, and here's this guy. Upstate New York. You know, what are the chances? So I I also think that, that young people sometimes, not always, but sometimes the first sign of trouble, that's the end of that, you know, and we learned a lot about forgiveness. We sure learned a lot about forgiveness and going down roads where you were really unhappy and miserable with each other for a period of time. And then somehow the roads intertwined. And at that point you say, well, it was hard getting to this spot, but we're here. And so let's deal with that. So I'm going to give you a postscript. Uh, After years of courting a, uh, a bone marrow disease, which has now turned into cancer. I, I got to deal with the fact that I'm dying. And this woman here won't let me escape any of the feelings. She's not, she's not sitting there whining and crying and in her soup. She's fine making sure that I cover it all. I may be, uh, maybe not around if you don't do this program pretty soon. I may not be around for it. But uh, uh, I'm a fighter, and she's a double fighter. So the, the fact of the matter is, uh, I probably make it past the six months that my doctor has given me. He's been really sick the last six months, especially, and now is really bad. And we feel like things have come home to roost, you know, what we put into the 55 years. And I said to somebody today that, for 50 some years, this is the first face I see in the morning and the last face I see at night. And I like that. So she also knows how to put her foot on my uh, keister. Just saying. <laughs> I wonder dealing with your illness, have you been able to be there for each other because of how you've built this marriage or have you had to learn new stuff now too? I'm we're learning new stuff every day. It's a uh, eye opener. Uh, it's a funny kind of disease because you're just uh, walking around like a tired, tired all the time, and you want to do more, and you want to 
you know, I was an ardent golfer and a uh, tennis player and a kayaker and, and I haven't been able to do any of that stuff. So without a woman who is not totally supportive, I'd have been uh, up the creek without a paddle. I don't know if it's instinctive or, I mean, we've had a lifetime of kind of caring about and for each other. And picked, so. up, picked up a lot of tricks. <laughs> How often and in what ways do you talk about death? The practicalities we've just been starting to talk about, you know, life insurance. and. I mean, we've had life insurance. We've had a will. You know, we had a recommendation for hospice. And so initially, I mean, Grant's response was, I'm not there yet. You know, I don't want hospice. He's still fighting and doesn't, we don't think we need hospice just yet. But you have to talk about it because there are, there are definitely practical things that have to be handled. Palliative care. Did you ever hear that? That's what we're getting now is palliative care. And so, so we, we, we had a talk today about um, expectations and regrets and they're not easy conversations, but in the middle of the night, we talk sometimes about that. I'd rather well, sleep myself. <laughs> sleep. I kind of am pushing at him. See, a little bit, a little bit. I need, I need it. But it's only when you get to this point do you realize what the hell you've been sitting with for 55 years. And uh, it's, you knew it it, it's sinking in. You knew it. You use a lot of humor to get through. Talk about humor in your relationship. Humor, uh, well, I practiced for 42 years as a child and family therapist. And if you didn't have humor and the ability to laugh at yourself and other people, it, kids uh, didn't, didn't relate. Right now, point in my life, I'm getting kids, former patients of mine, writing to me. They somehow picked up on what I've gone through and telling me about how important I was to them. It's been really enlightening to him to hear from people, even friends of our kids saying, you know, you sat and talked to me in the kitchen that time and you said stuff to me and I use that with my own kids now and I want to thank you. So it's been very good for him to hear. And by the way, I haven't cried for anybody, so consider yourself special. <laughs> I cherish being a tough cookie. And funny. And funny. He uses humor sometimes to deflect, however. You know, when it's getting too close and too tight, he'll make he'll crack a joke. Angela. Yes. What does Grant do that makes you smile? Oh, my gosh. Some of his jokes I've heard too many times. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) he still says things that surprise me or that make me laugh. He's just a funny, perceptive guy. And um, he's always made me laugh. Nothing in particular. He just has a way of... um, of um, observing something and throwing in a good punchline, a good punchline. So I like being around him. Grant, what about you? What does Angela do to make you smile? Not hit me. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I remember times when we were at a camp for special needs kids, and we were just uh, falling deeper and deeper in love. 
And uh, I realized that I had never said I love you to another woman. Number one, can't pass that up. What do you think some of the ingredients are that go into a really long lasting marriage? Like some of those kernel fundamentals. Perseverance, forgiveness. He gave me freedom. And I don't mean that in the sense that he gave me something that I didn't have, but he certainly as a woman and, and as a woman who came from a, from a stricter background, he was absolutely willing to let me do and be whatever I wanted to be. He gave me that freedom and that and supported it. And so for me as a woman, that was essential. I wouldn't have another woman in my life who wasn't powerful. And this kid was powerful. Went way past me, testifying before Congress, you know, uh, starting the earliest practices in audiology in the country, uh, stuff that I was proud of. And I didn't say, slow down. I said, go get him. Right? He did. Thank you. He did. <laughs> he did. And, and, um, and he was there for the kids and for me. So I think that support and certainly perseverance. I just got married. What's your advice for me, for us? You have to, this is stupid, but you just really have to love each other all the time, even when you don't. There are going to be lots of times when you won't like each other very much, but you do have to love each other. I keep saying it, but forgiveness, because you're going to do bad things to each other. We did bad things to each other. We were cruel. We said bad things to each other. He forgave me and I forgave him and we endured. And that's endurance. Keep that word in mind. Endurance. Okay, sweetie. Well, thank you so much for talking with me. It's, it's been a true honor speaking with you both. And I wish you lots of peace and comfort. It was rather illuminating for us too. You got him to say things he hasn't been saying. <laughs> what the hell? Good for you. <laughs> Love you, dear. Right. Bye -bye. Love you too. Bye. Bye. I feel like I'm clinging to a cloud I can't understand I get misty just holding your hand That was Angela and Grant Lovenbrook of Rockport, Maine, married for 55 years. After the break... Well, I was sitting at the piano, and this woman came in, this spirit came in, and I knew that was for me. She didn't know it, but I knew it. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Stay with me. I get misty the moment you're near. You can say that you're leading me on. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. Today, love and marriage. Long, long marriages. If you live in Hartford, Connecticut, then you may have heard of legendary jazz pianist Emery Austin Smith. He's been married to his wife, Vivian Ashton Smith, for 65 years. I asked him to take me back. How did they meet? Oh, we met at, uh, in New York City, 
the borough of Manhattan and the section they call Harlem. We read in a bar of uh, the Big Apple. I was sitting at the piano, and this woman came in, this spirit came in, and I knew that was for me. She didn't know it, but I knew it. That was the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Vivian, when you first saw Emery, what did you think? She hated me. (laughs) (laughs) She didn't like me. (laughs) I didn't know exactly at that time that he was the one for me, but uh, this was before Christmas and I went home for Christmas. And when I came back, we, we went to a movie and at that time, I knew, I knew that he was the one for me. What was it about him? He was a gentleman, kind, polite. I felt safe with him. I was comfortable. Emery, what was it about her? There was something there. It was a spirit, and it's hard to explain what that spirit is, what it is, because it's something you can't put your hands on. Will you tell me about the wedding proposal? Well, we were walking down 7th Avenue near uh, between 126, 127th Street, not too far from the Alhambra movie house, theater, rather. And that's when I asked her to marry me. Wait, did you know, had you planned on asking her before or did it just come to oh, mind? Oh, yeah, but I didn't know when or where, but I knew it was coming that night on 7th Avenue in the heart of Harlem. Boy, I'm telling you, that was a great area. Vivian, what did you think when he popped the question? I suppose I was surprised, but I said yes. <laughs> I didn't. I don't believe there was any hesitation about that. No, it really wasn't. How was the wedding planning? Because for some people, planning a wedding is is not that fun, and for some people, it's a lot of fun. How was it for you? But it was so quick. I mean, <laughs> well, that, well, you know, you figure. Well, you you probably nowhere near sixty five, but sixty five years ago, weddings. Things are so <laughs> are so different. Kids today want big, expensive, you know, weddings, and uh, we we were just happy to know that we were going to be together and 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 live our life hopefully out together. So, wedding that wedding that we were talking, thinking we might have had, it never even crossed their mind. But one thing I I didn't know anyone in 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 my experience who had ever had a a big wedding. Did you have a honeymoon? <laughs> yeah, yes, still going did. on. Ah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a great honeymoon. Oh, it's a great life. <laughs> it's a great life. I'm having a ball. Even with this illness that's going around, sickness that's going around, this pandemic, We, I enjoy being around her. I guess I could be a pain in the neck at times, but I enjoy being around <laughs> her, and we're busy. We're, for one thing, we're readers. The other thing, I'm a musician, so uh, I play piano, and so uh, I, I'm having a ball. I've had a ball for the last 65 years. Vivian, when when Emery's playing the piano, what's your favorite thing that he plays? They're all my favorite. It's hard to say what is my favorite. And when we're when he's in concert and I hear one, I say, "Oh yeah, that's nice. I remember that." You know, and you start humming and rocking, and you may want to dance. But 
Then when he plays the second one, it's the same thing. And actually, he never plays a tune the same way. So it's like you fall in love with every tune every time you hear it. Emery, is there a song that you love to play for Vivian? Oh, there was one that was written by uh, Hoagy Carmichael. It's called The Nearness of You. There's one song I like, and, and it's Thanks for the Memory. Sarah Vaughn had a great recording of it herself. That was a great tune. Now, back to your marriage. I'm wondering to what degree or in what way becoming parents strengthened your marriage and or tested it? Well, we just went out and did it. And, Don't and, think and, about and, and, what and, it is you have to do. You just know things have to be done. Right. There's no one else to do it but you. So you do it. And sometimes it's great pleasure in it. And other times there's stress and discomfort and sadness. But at the end of the day, you still love each other. And, and you're you're able to, you've gotten through one day and then you know you'll have to face the whole thing all over again tomorrow. It's just a part of life. It's a part of living. It's a part of marriage. Vivian, I hear from Emery a lot of respect for you and a lot of appreciation for what you do and who you are and all you've done. Is that part of what makes your marriage so strong? Yes, respect and trust. I trust him and I respect him. And of course, I love him and always have and always will. Once I met him, I that was it. I said, I... I I never want to have anyone else in my life but him, and it's been that way for over 65 years. Yeah, 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 that's right. Well, we have our ups and downs, and of course, when you have your downs, then you always think of the things that you wish might have been different or the things you think went wrong. And But at the end of the day, when things cool down, it's, uh, it's, it's back to business as usual, and that means that the love and the respect and the trust is always there. Yeah, that's, that's a big thing. And it wasn't that hard, to tell you the truth. When I look back, it wasn't that hard. We, you, you know, you work through problems, situations. You work through, you work through it. Sometimes that, that angst happens, but you work through it, and, 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 and the love and respect is, is, is there. And that's the thing that keeps things going, because... You know, you can get involved politically. You can have psychological problems, or you can you can have uh, where you think about politics and the way the world is going, the way the world is being run. And what I say that really doesn't matter because you know I have uh, a family that's more important than anything else in the world. Where you can enclose yourself within that family structure, of feeling of, of love and respect. Boy, you got to be. <laughs> I wonder what you think being married this long means to your family. What do they, what do they think about this? We have one one child who's who's been married uh, thirty years now, and you know it's like for him, his goal is to stay married as long as possible. He just wants to be married like his mom and his dad. So far, Emery and I are the longest married couple that we know. Our longevity in life and marriage means a lot to everyone on both sides of our family, especially the the, uh, 
the younger ones because it gives it gives them a goal and it gives them hope that hey maybe it can happen. It's great for the kids. I just got married on October first, twenty twenty. So I'm wondering if you have any advice for me. Well, first of all, congratulations. Thank you. My nieces on my nieces in law, as some would say, have often said to me, Aunt Vivian. How how come you and Uncle Austin have stayed married so long? And I just look at them and smile because there's nothing that I can tell them that will help them. It's just to say, be yourself. Yeah. Respect and love and trust. Yeah. You've got you've to have trust. You don't trust each other, then you, you, don't, you don't have very much. But... Congratulations. Enjoy. You'll have you'll find your way. Just just don't be afraid to try to find yeah, the things that make you comfortable, make you happy. Try to uh, be able to discriminate between trivial and significant things. Edit out the trivial things. Because you know there's a lot of triviality that goes with life. And you gotta be ready to say, Oh no, that's not really that important. But this is important. You know, love and respect is important. Trust is important. But not the bottle of uh, McClellan scotch, which costs $300 a bottle. (laughs) How did you know we love scotch? (laughs) I thought everybody did. I thought everybody did. McClellan, the single malt, $300 a bottle. <laughs> well, Emery and Vivian Smith, I will raise a glass of my finest scotch to your 65 years. Thank you so much for talking with me. Thank, Thank you. you. Have a bye. good day. Bye-bye. Bye bye. That was Emery Austin Smith and Vivian Ashton Smith of the Blue Hills neighborhood in Hartford, Connecticut. They've been married for 65 years. When we get back, when you start thinking alike, and answering for somebody, you know it's <laughs> you know it's a good marriage. What a marriage sounds like after 69 years. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back. This is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. I'm Shirley. I'm Seymour. This is what it's like to be married for 69 long, long years. (laughs) Didn't need all that. (laughs) Today we're hearing some wisdom and advice about marriage and other long-term committed relationships. When Shirley and Seymour Reitman met each other, there was no Tinder, no OkCupid, no Twitter, no Facebook. And compared to today, totally different expectations about what courtship and marriage should be like. I interviewed them in the before times way back in March of 2019 at their home at Duncaster Retirement Community in Bloomfield, Connecticut. And we started with how they met. Well, we met a couple times. (laughs) He was a senior in high school and I was a freshman. We had one high school. We had one high school and I belonged to a sorority. He belonged to a fraternity and the fraternity boys used to come up after our meetings, and we would dance and have refreshments and so forth. Well, I met him then. He forgot me completely. I couldn't remember her. <laughs> so 
then he went off to the army. He did graduate. He did graduate, and that was it. And then I was in Washington visiting a friend of mine, and we went to a party, and there he was. We walked over to say hello. He didn't have the vaguest idea who I was. That was too. How'd that feel? I was a fully on him. <laughs> I, I was in Washington because I was uh, under the GI Bill. I was going to George Washington University after World War II. So uh, he came home from the service and he wanted a date and he didn't know who to call. So he asked a friend of mine as well as his, and he said, why don't you call Shirley Hammer? He said, uh, that's Hank Rich's kid cousin. So he did. He called me, and we See, talked. The, the problem I had is that the girls I knew had moved away or gotten married, and I just didn't know any of it after, after my World War II service. And it was expected at the time that you get married. <laughs> yes. To find somebody. Yes. It wasn't cool to just be single for 50 Especially years. for girls. I got married very young. How old? 20. He was 24. So we went out. We went to a friend's house. Had a great time. He called me again. He called me again. And then he went off to Washington. And he wrote to me. And that was that. At what point did you realize you're the ones for each other? Well. I gave her an engagement ring. <laughs> well, before that. He would go back to Washington, and nobody would date me. Because she was going steady with me. Because now, how do you define going steady? Because that's a phrase that people don't use a lot. You don't date anybody days. else. It was just we enjoyed each other. And his folks had a restaurant. And I would go out with him at 11 o'clock at night when he finished with the restaurant yeah. and cleaning up. We lived about four blocks away from each other. When I was done working with my folks' restaurant, which was late at night, I would then go over to her place. And we would go out. We'd go to the boardwalk. Or, or we just sit in the sofa and, and neck. <laughs> <laughs> you probably still do that. Um, no. <laughs> so how did you know that you wanted to get her an engagement ring? Do you remember what that process was like with you? She was the only girl I was dating, and uh, I don't know what prompted me to get the ring, but I had 200. I think I said something that I was not dating, and are we going to get engaged or not? I think that's what happened. I bought an engagement ring for $250. This is back in 19, what, 48, 40, 48 was it? Yeah. And... Uh, took her up on the boardwalk one night, and I gave her the engagement ring. Now, do you remember what you said? Did you get down on one knee? Did you have something prepared? No. You just said, here's the ring. <laughs> you want it? You know what? We never even thought about it. You know, some people make a big thing of it. It was just, we went together so long, I guess now it's time yeah. to either get engaged and married or go your separate way. So how was... long had you been together? No, about a year. Yeah. How many children do you have? Three. We had three. We and had one died. Three. Our middle son died. I'm so sorry. 
Did you always know that you wanted kids? Yes, of course. <laughs> you say, <Yeah>. of course. <laughs> really? Everybody of my vintage felt the same way. Yeah. How, can you, how can you get married and not have a nice family? Yeah, yeah. that's just the way it... That's yeah. the way it was. Do you think that people see marriage differently now? Oh, my oh, God, yes. yes. Uh, the stuff you see in the paper... They're in her second and third and third marriage. I would imagine we're probably one, if not the only one, that's still on their first marriage. The people here have been married before. It's either well, a they've second. They've lost their husband. They've or lost, lost their wife. They've lost a, a mate. And uh, I, I never say how long I'm married. I figure it's nobody's business. What do you think has changed? Like, how did we get from an old era that where people, when you get married, that's it. And now, like, what do you think changed? One thing is that children went off to colleges in other cities and they became their own person. And they met somebody, they didn't know her for a very, maybe they didn't know her very long. And it wasn't such a hot marriage, and they got out of it. But we considered we're together so long. I mean, listen, we fight plenty. If I said we didn't, I'd be telling you a big lie. <laughs> but we make up. Never carry it more than one day. If we're yeah. angry, that's it. Yeah. By the time we go to bed, the, the argument is over. After all this time together... I would imagine you'd run out of things to fight about, but that's not true. No, we, what, new things. What do we fight about? <laughs> yeah. Oh, lots of things. Oh yeah. <laughs> is well, it the we same each, stuff all the time? We each have our own opinions on things. He's, you know, always moving things. If I have something one place, he puts it someplace else. Is that it true? depends how I'm feeling. If I'm in a good mood, I don't get mad. But she's not always in a good mood. Well, because. <laughs> What happens is I'll tell him something, and, and I've repeated it over and over and over. He thinks it's brand new, but I, I let him know. I, I'm sick of it. I'm telling you what I want, and that's the end of it. And we what work you, it out. I forget a, I forget a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so is there anything that she does that bothers you? When she calls me or asks me to, she doesn't just say, Hey, Seymour, would you do this? Just Seymour, real loud. And that you can't me. hear. <laughs> you know, it's well. true. <laughs> he has a hearing problem. So when I holler, he says, what are you hollering and for? You're taking it as an aggressive. Yeah. And I'm saying you don't hear me when I talk. So I'm talking loud. So when you're working through problems, what are you thinking? Solve it. He has this habit when he gets mad, he just walks away. Doesn't say anything, he yeah. goes. And I say, stay and fight it out. No, he doesn't want to. So when I start fighting it out, he walks out. And when he comes back, I figure he's cooled down and I've cooled down. And I, I start the conversation up like yeah. nothing happened. Even if we've been fighting all day long. That's true. The next day is a brand new day. Yeah. I never say, you did such and such yesterday. It's over. Yeah. How do you make up? I don't know. How do we make up? 
We just we just say, <laughs> oh, he'll usually kiss me and say, it's over. Forget about it. When it comes to relationships, I think about attraction and compatibility and respect. The older I get, the more I realize how important that is. Do those ingredients factor in to how you see each other? Attraction, yeah. I've always felt that Shirley's very pretty. <laughs> and uh, even though she's 90 years old now. I am. So many people here, they just let the hair go white. Uh, she hasn't. And I still like to keep myself as, yeah. as best I can. I know a lot of people don't care anymore. They figure they've reached a certain age. But I always said... Don't go out looking your worst. You never know who you're going to bump yeah. into. Do you still find him attractive? Yeah, I do. For a man 93, I think he's pretty Everybody is amazed. He goes out yeah. walking every day with the dog, and he walks faster than most people around here. And you can ask me all kinds of questions, and I, all I can really say is, we were lucky. What's your favorite thing about Seymour? I guess there are a lot. I'm really, well, he's generous. He's always available. If anybody needs something, he's always there. He's always ready to help out. And he's easier to get along with that than me, I think. Mm -hmm. If I want something done, and I'm afraid I'll lose my temper. I tell him to do it. You make the phone call. You're better on the phone than I am. What's your favorite thing about Shirley? She's so considerate about everybody. She's just a, a kind person. She goes out of her way to make people feel wanted. And if she sees somebody who, who's sort of by themselves, she'll invite them to have dinner with us. She's just a sweet person. Thank you, dear. <laughs> it took you to bring out that nice, <laughs> that nice saying. So when you have an anniversary, how do you mark it? I don't get anything yeah. and he doesn't get anything. Yeah. I said, if I needed it, I would have it. Yeah. For this past one, he said, what do you want? I said, I'd like a card and flowers. <laughs> And that's what I got. I don't need anything. If I want it, I go out and buy it. Fortunately, moving here has been the best move we've ever made. Once you move in here, you're here for life. And you die here. This and is the last bus stop. <laughs> yeah. God's waiting room. That's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. You said that people die here. This is... Yeah. This is where you settle in, to really settle in. When you think about the end of your lives, do you talk about that? Like, do you go there? I know you... Yes. Yeah. We each want to go first. Yeah. Because he could do more things than me. I have a lot of balance problem. I need a cane or a walker. And he doesn't need that. And I just feel that if somebody has to go, I should go first. I, we do talk about it. And we don't look forward to it, but, you know, it's inevitable. 
I look at it a different way. He doesn't believe there's a hereafter. And I said, I believe it, otherwise I'd be scared to death. I feel there's some place, and maybe it's better than what we have here. And that's his belief, and that's my belief. Yeah. I just think it's the end is he going thinks, to sleep and never waking up. That's it. Well, so, you feel the way you do, and I'll feel the way I do. Yeah. I often wonder what does happen to you when you, it's what over. Do, what do you think? You do, but you don't think we go poof. So what do you think? I don't know. I don't. I know you don't come back the same way. I know you're not going to get the same family and friends. Come back like my dog. <laughs> That's what he always says. I guess it's because I'm a coward, and I'd rather think that there's some place else that you can go I know. instead of just disappearing. I used to be religious. Then it became an agnostic, and now I, I just don't. Don't believe there's anything after you die. That's it. That's the end of it. I mean, listen, there's billions and trillions of people here. Where could where could they all go? <laughs> also, right. you know, we're going to be cremated. Our son who died, he was cremated. Our daughter's husband was also cremated when he died. So We had two deaths in three weeks. Yeah. April's husband died of cancer, and three weeks later, we buried our son. Our middle son, the one who, who became a juvenile, juvenile diabetic, he died of multiple myeloma. When we think about your marriage, did that was that a strain, or did it bring you closer, or something else? It brought us closer. Yeah. We felt we needed each other. Yeah. I couldn't sit down and talk to Bill. He was hurting himself. Because he and Larry were very close. They used to go fishing together, yeah. and they did a lot of things together. They were close. It was, it Bill, was, Bill really misses his brother, Larry. Still does. Yeah. Probably always will. Yeah. Right. Sorry for your losses. You pick yourself up, and you go on. That's what you do. And you cry when you're by yourself. You don't cry in front of people. They can't do anything for you. I did a lot of crying. As in our bedroom, we have a lot of pictures of the children on the wall. We'll and I used to you. just sit there and cry. You offered to show me some pictures in your bedroom? Yeah. Sure. You lead the way. No. <laughs> you will not get lost. <laughs> Here's our wedding picture. You look so happy. You're wearing a tiara? Where did, what's the story behind the tiara? Well, the veil is attached to that. So yeah. it, you did know. you keep it? Did you keep your wedding outfit? <laughs> the uh, headpiece belonged to my girlfriend. Gowns were very expensive. Yeah. And I had a cousin who got married a year before. And they said, just keep Shirley's weight down and it'll be fine. She can use the wedding gown. <laughs> okay. I'm getting married. What advice do you have for me? Let's go sit down. <laughs> uh, How long have you known? Oh, we've been together for three years. Uh -huh. And inseparable. I, I guess what it is is it's a different kind of love as you grow older. 
I can't describe it, but you know, when both new at it and more lovey-dovey and all, but then you just start to respect and want to be with the person. As I say, it's a different kind of love. I don't love them the same way. I possibly love them more for other reasons. The romantic part is when you're your age. But when you get past that, and it's just, you're, you're just like one person, the two of you together. And I'll like tell you something person. else. When you start thinking alike and answering for somebody, you know it's <laughs> you know it's a good marriage. Yeah. If I can't think of a word, I'll turn around and look at him, and he'll fill yeah. in the word for me. That's how you're with somebody so long yeah. that you begin to think alike. And I hope you have as happy a marriage as we've had. Thanks. Yeah. We've been very, very fortunate, except for the couple of deaths but everybody has something luck just good luck it's a big part of it yeah really so i hope you have a happy life thank you thanks to shirley and seymour reitman they live at duncaster retirement community in bloomfield connecticut and we recorded that in march of 2019 they're still going strong after 71 years of marriage for this episode, I reached out to a lot of couples who weren't in same-gender partnerships, but it was really hard to find folks who are willing to talk. So if you are someone or know someone who's on the LGBTQIA spectrum and has been with their partner for over 50 years, I'd love to hear your story. Email me, cwolf at ctpublic.org. Audacious is produced by me and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. To subscribe and listen back to previous shows about things like antinatalism, speech disfluencies, psychics, surviving animal attacks, what it's like to be a world-famous meme, or what it's like to not be capable of feeling any physical pain, visit ctpublic.org audacious. Send me your reactions and show ideas on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kion Wolf, and online use the hashtag audaciouspublic. Thanks for listening. <laughs>